0: Yo, yo, yo. What's going on, guys? It's Cynthia Sam here. Welcome to Unleash the Man Within. I'm so glad you guys are here today. I am sitting down with Michael Leahy, uh, founder of Bravehearts. And let me just give you a quick rundown of who this guy is. This man has 28 years of successful personal recovery and sexual sobriety under his belt after years of affairs and adultery and uh, really a, a full, full-blown full sex addiction. He has 22 years of full-time ministry helping sex addicts and betrayed partners. He is a leader in developing and applying technology-based tools for recovery and he also has pioneered the field of professional mentoring about 13 years ago. This guy's been on 2020 Good Morning America pretty much every major platform you can imagine. And he even used to do porn debates with Ron Jeremy, who for a certain season was one of the most well-known porn stars, if not the most well-known porn star in the world. So this guy has incredible professional acumen. And we brought him on today to talk a little bit about the importance of mentors in the recovery process. Um, He's really big on converting People like yourselves who want to recover into coaches and mentors and people who want to, you know, make a sustainable living doing this. And so we talk a little bit about that if you're if that's something you're interested in. And then we also talked about what has been required for him to be free for 28 flipping years. I mean, that's amazing. I feel pretty proud of myself for being at about seven and a half. And then you hear about somebody who's. Uh, been free four times as long as you have, and it really puts things in perspective. So this guy's a legend. It was such an honor to have him on the show, and I know you're gonna learn a lot. Uh, Without further ado, guys, this is my interview with Michael Leahy, enjoy. So here's the million dollar question. How are men like us who work hard, have good motives and a God-given purpose, supposed to fulfill the calling on our lives and the dreams in our hearts, all while establishing sexual integrity, thriving relationships, and a meaningful connection with God? That is the question, and this podcast will give you the answers. My name is Athea Sam, welcome to Unleash the Man Within. All right. Well, I'm here with Michael Leahy and I've been waiting a long time to, to finally sit face to face with you. I know this is virtual, but it's still, we're both sitting and we're both face to face and uh, you've pioneered so much in this space. Uh, I just can't thank you enough for being
1: here, Michael. Well, thanks for having me. It's, uh, it's a long time coming. I've heard a lot about you as well. So thanks for all the work you're doing.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I, I have to ask, I like asking this of people like yourself. You know, we've had Ronda Haas, founder of Covenant Eyes, uh, <laughs> Jonathan Doherty, uh, sorry, Doherty, who started, I think in 2005, you guys all pioneered something in the kind of sex and porn addiction recovery space, um, on, in a digital form, you know, before it would really had become established. And I, I'm wondering what, it, what inspired you to do it? Cause I, if I'm recalling correctly, you started in oh two oh three. <laughs> somewhere in that area where this was not like a cool thing to do. Um, What was it that kind of drew you into being in the space in the first place at a time like that?
1: You know, I think it's probably the same thing that drew you. I mean, it's our story, right? Uh, We went through extreme loss. I lost a marriage of 15 years, a family of two boys. Uh, had to rebuild those relationships over time. And so you just naturally kind of want to give back at some point in time but also it was recognizing how great of a need there was out there uh yeah. for people who were struggling like us to learn from those who had been you know down that path before them um i kind of like to i've had some people actually mention that uh myself and jonathan and and others um are kind of this second wave if you will the first wave was Patrick Carnes and Mark Laser and Harry right. Schomburg and Ted Roberts and all these guys. And I remember someone coming up to me at a conference back in 2016 and they said, you know, a lot of these guys, Mark had he wasn't able to attend. He passed away, I think a year or two later. You know, Ted Roberts has been really struggling with um with mental mental health care yeah. issues and stuff. So some of those guys have been benched and we're kind of the next ones. But this is what's so exciting about this to me is seeing someone like you, you're like, we're ready to pass the baton on, you know, I'm 65 this year, so I'm going to do this for as long as I can. Fortunately, I came out of the technology industry. So I know that Jonathan uh, also, you know, pioneered some uh, phone-based, teleconferencing-based recovery groups. Uh, We were kind of the first one out of the blocks on that as well. And yeah. so kind of our generation of leaders understood the application of technology and we started leveraging that. And yep. and we continue to do that as well. But you guys are like the world's your oyster, you know? <laughs> so it's really exciting to see that.
0: Yeah, it it definitely feels that way. But I'm I'm so aware that we're standing on the shoulders of, of people like you and I'm very grateful. Um I know you you added an extra branch to what you're doing about 8 9 years ago which was to raise up other mentors to to coach them to certify them and then to be able to release them to duplicate more or less what what it is that you're doing or what you had done prior. Uh talk a little bit about that because uh did did you just get bored helping people get free and you wanted to you know multiply the efforts or what what inspired that?
1: You know it was just the opposite actually. I had spent like a lot of us who were leaders in this space You know, between 2002 and about 2012, there was still such a lack of awareness and just basic education. So, uh, about this issue uh, and about recovery. And so, I was spending most of my time, I'd written five books, I'd travel, I'd been traveling all over the world, did a lot of evangelism outreach events with Campus Crusade, uh, now known as Crew, but, um, and spoke in a lot of conferences and churches and things. So, I was, kind of a mouthpiece for this, did a lot of media, did some porn debates with Ron Jeremy, things like that. Yeah, yeah. And so I was out there speaking on this and, you know, when you're flying over this and I'm sure you've done this before. in some of your speaking events where, you know, you're at about the 40,000 foot level and what do you have, but you have people come up to you afterwards and, ah, oh, thank you for sharing your story. And, you know, that's my story. And, um, and then invariably it's the question of, can you help me? Yeah. And it's really hard when when you're doing an awareness and education campaign or or that's, you know, the calling that you have at the time. Uh, You just don't have enough time to be able to slow down and go, yeah, let's meet once a week. And, you know, uh, I'll walk you through uh, what I've learned and, you know, mentor you, or what have you. So that was the mode that I was in for about 10 years, but it wasn't till 2012 that quite honestly, everything kind of slowed down for me. Um, I had gotten remarried. My wife was in the army. We moved from Atlanta to Northern Virginia. Um, she served in the old guard there. So um, I was kind of away from my support system. And, and um, you know, the, the books were already written. The interviews were kind of slowing down a little bit. The speaking events were slowing down. But what never slowed down was guys coming to me asking for help. Right. And I was amazed living in the Fairfax and Northern Virginia area that guys were still coming to me saying, "I can't find a good counselor or a therapist. I can't find a recovery group." And I'm like, millions of people around here, you know? It's like, how can we not find that?" Yeah. But that was really the case. And and God just impressed upon me. I I saw a really powerful message um, called "One Not Everyone" by Andy Stanley, the, who was the pastor of my former church that I'd attended when I lived in Atlanta. And it was this idea that you may not be able to help everyone, but you can at least help one person. Wow, and I guys. thought, well, I can do more than that because I do this for <laughs> a living. So maybe there's something here. And I started to I started to say yes to guys who were coming to me asking me for help. I thought, I can't say no. Because, you know, I I have time on my hands. I can at least start working with a few of them. And then it was a matter of, you know, what's the best way to help them? Because I didn't have any desire to go back to, you know school and and become a licensed counselor or um you know take take that kind of a track um yeah. but i knew that i i knew what i knew and i knew that the things that i knew about recovery of my own journey you know which has been now 26 some years or whatever a personal recovery you know could really help people so that's when i started to uh, it was really after the first guy that I mentored uh, and did a horrible job of because <laughs> I didn't have a <laughs> curriculum, didn't have a plan. It was it was one of those, hey, can we just meet and have breakfast once a week? I'm sure you've had those before, of and course. they just kind of they just kind of want to heal through osmosis, right? Yeah. But there really needs to be more intentionality. I know that you have a you have a very you know um, robust coaching practice, and I'm sure you take guys through. You kind of know where they're at based on you know interviewing him talking to him and then you know kind of what you need to take them through. It's a knowledge yes. transfer. Yeah. So that's what I started doing. And and after the first couple of guys, I thought, you know, I really like doing this. I mean, I love it. Because yeah. you get a front row seat at at you know life change. You you really you get to go deep and long with people. And I think that was Andy Stanley's, you know, um message was that you know, you can develop these longer lasting relationships and really impact change in someone's life uh, when you invest in them and go deep and long. And mm. that was the beginning of it. And then I started thinking, well, maybe there's a model here because I knew that there wasn't really anything remarkable about my story. In fact, I had a lot of people tell me I'm kind of the everyman because um, my story was very common to guys in my generation, just like I'm sure yours is to yours. And um, so in, in sharing that, a lot of people related to it and identified with it. And I thought, you know, if I can walk someone through this and if I can, if I can impact uh, and maybe improve on the percentage of guys overall who were establishing long-term sexual sobriety and going into, you know, getting good recovery going, then maybe I can train other people to do that because there's so many other guys with my with my type of story, and so that was really the beginning of what became our mentor training and certification program.
0: That's really cool, and we've been huge benefactors of that, as you know. Sean's our lead coach, yeah, and he did your program several years ago.
1: And um, we're, we're yeah, very, Sean very, and grateful. Helena, they're fantastic couple. You are really blessed to have them. They're we, they're we the are. real deal. I love yeah. them.
0: Yeah. Oh, that yeah, it's really really cool. So uh, one thing I wanted to ask you, and this is part of why I know you've been so successful, is you're mm-hmm. very intentional with your language. And you've Mm -hmm. purposely, um, you were trying to do mentoring, not coaching, not counseling. Can you talk Mm -hmm. a little bit about what mentoring means to you and why you've been specific about that word choice?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, it kind of comes down to semantics. I think because you have a story in this area and you have personal experience and success in establishing sobriety, I could look at you and say, well, you're really a mentor. You know, you may say that you coach guys. So that's the semantic part of it. But there was really more intentionality behind choosing uh, to develop a mentor program, I actually, when I started looking at this, again, knew that I didn't want to go into counseling, just had no desire, no interest in that, but wanted to help folks. And so the natural place I went to look for training was life coaching, right? Because there's a lot of life, you know, life coaching had really kind of in the early 2000s started to take off. and, And eventually there were, you know, the International Coaching Federation and certification programs and all that. So I went through CTI's program, started you very expensive and very uh, comprehensive multi-year program. And they wrote a great book called Coactive Coaching. And one of the, and it's really kind of the basis for life coaching overall. But one of the things they stated and made very clear is that your client really has all the resources and ability and, and, and wherewithal to get from point A to point B to achieve what they want to achieve. You're really sure. just kind of a sojourner with them. And, and, you know, they have the answers. And so you're just kind of there to extract it. And they use this um, they use this terminology where they said, your clients are um, healthy, um, whole and resourceful. Hmm. And I started thinking, now wait a minute. There's a problem here because the people I want to mentor are anything <laughs> but healthy, resourceful, <laughs> and they may be resourceful, but they're not healthy and they're not whole. Yeah. And, and, And so everything about the, the life coaching just kind of, you know, conflicted with that, that reality. And I thought, you know, what they really, what they need more than a coach is a mentor. They need someone that when they show up, like my favorite call to get is a guy who calls up and says, Hey, I'm calling from a hotel room. My wife kicked me out of the house. She's threatening divorce. I got a problem with porn. I have no idea what to do. And that's also the most typical call that I get. Yep. And so what they don't need is, well, you know, you know how you can get through this. And I'm just going to kind of, you know, go by the side and and you're going to make the decisions along the way. No, you need like a Sherpa guide. You yeah. need someone who says, just hook on this rope. We're going to go to the, the top of Mount Everest. You know, don't wander off into the ice fields or look over the crevasse and stuff. Just stay close to me. And yeah. I'll take you there. And I think eventually those relationships do take on more of a a coaching like partnership sure. um, relationship. I got a guy that I've been mentoring for over 10 years now. And the first two years were really spent focusing on his recovery. But for the last eight years, I've really been more of a spiritual mentor to him yeah. um, because that was an interest that he had long term. So I'm kind of a mentor, but I'm also now kind of in a coaching relationship. It, it You know, it can change, obviously, and I I know that you're aware of that. But the thing that the thing that I really wanted to get hyper focused on, and we have people that go through our mentor training who are counselors and therapists, people that don't have this as their story. But when it is, Mm -hmm. when it is their story, you know, as well as I do there, you're you're basically a um, unrepentant addict's worst nightmare, right? right? (laughs) Because, you know, all the tricks you know, all the sayings, you know, all the rationalizations, you know, which, which really means you're the, you're the person in the best position Mm -hmm. to be able to really help them if they want to get well. Yeah. So to me, that's what I look for. I look for those men and those women. We have uh, over half of the people, the students that we have go through our mentor training program, uh, launch a mentoring ministry, are women who want to mentor other women and help them deal with betrayal. In, yes. in a lot of cases, betrayal, Excellent. trauma, yeah. but man, when you've been through that, there's, uh, there's kind of an unfair advantage you have yeah. because you're an insider, you know, the deal, you know, the gig, And, yeah. and I think that's, um, that's what we try to do is focus in on that, not turning away anyone who just has a, you know, a, a, um, proven interest in this, but for those, you know, like Sean and like Helena, who they've been through this, man, they got to, you, you can't deny them what they know and their experience and their learned wisdom True. and, and they become the most valuable people out there yeah. to be able to help folks who struggle.
0: Yeah, 100%. I, the one thing I really liked, I, I, cause I saw that you were uh like, you know, really intentional in using the word mentorship. And the one thing I really enjoyed about that is, you know, I think when you're a coach, it, it really is only one direction. It's like, this is the coach and you're the client. But I think mentorship, if mentorship's done well, you end up raising up people who just naturally start to mentor others. And there's yeah. a great kind of multiplicity that happens in that. And, you know, case in point, like the guy who you've been mentoring for eight years now is more of a spiritual mentor. I'm sure he's mentoring all kinds of people because of oh, the yeah. mentorship he's received from you. And that
1: happens very naturally in a mentorship kind of environment, right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he's um, – he's- Continues to do 12 step. He's been plugged into essay for years. I started mentoring him back in, you know, like 2000 and I think 10 or 11. Um, and he's a sponsor. He sponsors a bunch of guys and wow. and that's their version of mentor. So, yeah, that's, yeah. you know, something I picked up from my friend, Nate Larkin and um, Samson Society is yeah. I remember him saying once, you know, we believe that everyone needs help and everyone has help to give. And so we've really adopted that as a big theme within Bravehearts. It's part of our hero's journey, this journey from recovery to redemption. That that recovery doesn't end with sobriety; it ends with redemption. Wow. And and just yeah. being sober and being healthy of your own accord, but not giving back or yeah. not paying it forward, isn't really complete recovery. It's not complete healing because if you're really thoroughly changed from the inside out. You can't not want to help people. We just give them a vehicle, you know, kind of a methodology and an approach to be able to do that. Especially if they want to be able to find out or figure out how to how to earn a living and how to actually do this and and get paid while helping others. So you don't have to go through the, you know, gosh, two to three years of of schooling to be a counselor, and then another, you know, two to three years of supervision. Or you don't have to go through these expensive programs we put people through. a pretty yeah. compact, like about a three month training program, because here's the deal. They already know what they know about recovery. So you don't really need to train them in that. Yeah, They just need to see what a, a kind of a business model is that yes. will allow them to be able to either, you know, part-time or full-time be able to support their efforts because I've seen so many people that volunteer their way into this, but then they can get burned out. Yeah and and you know I don't think there's anything wrong with being able to show people hey you can still do some volunteering but you know you can also earn some income along the way because your time is worth you know it has value to it so
0: yeah and I really can't emphasize how valuable that is what you're providing because there's lots of ways to even get a certification or to hone your skills but there's very mm-hmm. few people who will teach the business side of of this which is actually super important if God's given you a vision and you really believe in what you're doing you have to know the nuts and bolts to, to get off the ground and to build something that's sustainable. And so, um, so that, that's incredible. And I, I really do value what you're doing. Um, I, I wanted to ask you, Michael, you know, you have been in recovery for a long time now. Um, and you mentioned having to go through hell first to kind of get to this heaven that you're in now. Can you tell us a little bit about your story and what you're doing these days? I think it's been 28 years. If I did my research correctly, um, that's a long time. What, what keeps you motivated at this at this point in the game, or do you not need the motivation? Is it just kind of second nature? I'd love to hear just kind of the the timeline and what, what you're up to these days that's helping
1: you further your journey. Sure, yeah. Well, I mean, in a nutshell, my my story is I had a 30-year relationship with pornography um, that started when I was 11 years old, kind of the average age for guys, you know, my generation. And over time, it escalated, it was always in secret. Um, it escalated into um, what became a full-blown affair. Um, that, uh, blew up D day was 13 years into my marriage. Wow. And, um, I was the unrepentant sex addict. Um, I was the guy who got into recovery and was on his cell phone talking to his affair partner on the way into the meeting, you know, went through the meeting, cried alligator tears and all that stuff. Uh, and then came out and was back on the phone talking to his affair partner on the way to his car, you know, wow. to, to go home. I mean, I was a mess and and so like most you know selfish self-centered and compulsive line uh, addicts um i i had this mindset that i i was going to you know have my cake and eat it too you know stay married keep the family but still have the affair partner and of course that never works so my world blew up and um eventually i ended up getting divorced in 98 um my uh, relationship with my affair partner continued for about a year uh before that finally you know fizzled away, not unsurprisingly. And sure. then I found myself, um, in this really deep, dark place, um, uh, very depressed, um, suicidal. Uh, I, you know, I, I just came to the end of myself and I hit rock bottom in 99, um, cried out to God I had been a Christian uh, for most of my life. Um, but, um, cried out to God for help. And and he was there. I mean, he, he made it very clear. He said, Michael, you know, I've, I've always been here. You're the one who left. And, and so, um, but I got involved in recovery while I was still on my affair, like I said, and I was faking it for two years. That's what cost me my marriage. So because of that failure and because of recognizing that, you know, this is something serious enough that I would consider taking my life. I was scared straight into recovery and Mm -hmm. I started recovery in earnest in 99, uh, really like, um, really working at hard. Started with an essay group, went through 12 step, eventually found a Christian counselor, and really started, um, you know, just being intentional on a daily basis, set up some daily disciplines, you know, was, uh, you know, making program calls every day. I mean, doing the same things that we tell guys to do today. So, you know, my journey from there going forward, the healthier I got, the more guys were coming to me and people, and I wasn't looking for it. You know, I don't know about you. I mean, this was not part of my career plan. I was, (laughs) I was in the tech industry, right? I was a sales guy. And, and so I had a good, robust sales career. And, um, but the more and more people that were coming to me looking for help, I knew that I could really help them. And it just felt like something turned in me in about 2001, 2002, and I felt like this was something that I was supposed to do um, for the rest of my life. So mm-hmm. I took a big leap of faith, went into full-time ministry in 2002, and wow. and really have been doing it ever since. And fortunately, because I'm unlike most people my age, I'm, fair, I'm very comfortable with technology. I, I couldn't write a program to save my life, but I understand <laughs> the applications of it. And my wife and yeah. I are, you know, we she's big fan of AppSumo. And, you know, we just look at all the different applications and things and tools, and we're always looking for ways to, um, deliver value to the people that we work with. We were kind of pioneers in the space of virtual summits about eight years ago. Yes. Um, you know, really drove hard on those. We've had subscription services that we provided. My wife and I are just digital marketing nerds, you know, that's the <laughs> bottom line. And, yeah. but we know that it can be really effective. and And most people in the digital marketing space are out there to make money. And right. to to get rich quick, and yeah. um, we've been to the conferences, you know, and digital marketer in San Diego and all that, and sure. seen all the Lamborghinis and Maseratis yeah. pull up and everything, yeah. But um, but we've been able to take the same tools and apply it in a way that we think is making um, this knowledge transfer easier for people yeah. to go through. Yeah. So that's really the essence of it. The first half of my twenty some years in full time ministry spent, like I mentioned before, doing the education awareness deal. Um, but the, uh, the last part has been the, and and that in and of itself was pretty amazing to, to be on, you know, ABC's 2020 and the view and our story uh, where I appeared with my ex-wife at the time um, was highlighted in a lot of media and then wow. traveling around and then doing the porn debates and everything. I like kind of a spokesperson for this area. Yeah. But, um, but really you know, taking the deep dive with guys has brought me the most joy mm. to take it even further training people, you know, like Sean, like Helena to be mentors and to take their story and to, you know, leverage it for God's glory yeah, in whatever way that looks. My The first uh, guy that I mentored um, who I turned down several times, it was because he was caught with child pornography and he was going to go, he was going to prison for five years. And I remember saying, you know, he paid me to mentor him. And then, uh, you know, I finally said, listen, I'll continue mentoring you. I don't know what this is going to look like. I'm not going to charge you because you're going to be in prison, but let's figure it out. And we did. And we had weekly phone calls for about 12 minutes. And I was walking him through recovery material. And he just his goal was that I don't know what this is going to look like or be like. I just want to be as healthy as I can be. You know, when I go in and I say, listen, I'll make you a deal. I'll, I'll mentor you for free for the next five years. If you promise me that you're going to do the hard work of recovery, you're going to stay straight and, um, and that you'll be willing to look at maybe helping others when you get out. That was my first mentee. That was the first person in our pilot program that I worked with. And he's out there mentoring people now to this day, using the experience of, you know, there's thousands and thousands of men, sadly, Uh, who are incarcerated every year because of possession child pornography. And Mm -hmm. so he's working with that particular niche that he knows better than myself or most people I know. That's what gets me excited. I mean, I love mentoring men. I love taking that front row seat. But then being able to train folks who just have this humility, this brokenness and this desire to pay it forward and give to others, uh, and also knowing how they can monetize it along the way man, it just gets me excited. I had a guy who was a former pastor who, um, came to me and, and, uh, went through the training and, um, and he was just really passionate about helping other people is kind of at a a crossroads in his career. Um, but he had a, he had a decent paying job, but he just, he didn't, there's nothing, nothing that excited him about it. You know, he was just kind of dead man walking, if you will. Right. It's just a job. It's just a paycheck. But he said, wow, if I could do this." and within a year, he was earning a, the equivalent of a six-figure income. I mean, I remember when he called me up, it was the or he texted me. It was last, um, actually, it was last May, and he said, next month, my monthly income will exceed a $100,000 a year run rate for the first time. And he'd oh. only gone through the train. He started the training only a year before that. When uh, I see stuff like that, And also the fact that they're meeting a growing need, which is a whole nother thing of, you know, the huge, huge shortfall that we have of trained, experienced professionals being able to help folks in this area. I mean, we've got a major disaster on our hands and we, we could train another 5,000 mentors and it wouldn't be enough. So we're really trying to play catch up here.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And I I don't think that that game of catch up is going to end anytime soon. Mm -hmm. Um, let, let me ask you, cause you've obviously seen, so you've, you've raised up lots of leaders, you've worked with lots of people yourself, and I'm curious if the main issues that existed in 2002 when you were helping people, are they still more or less the same issues now? Uh, has technology, like to me, technology has been a, an amplifier for sure, but mm-hmm. I feel like the core issues that we're really resolving, I, I feel like they're always going to be the same or very similar. I'm curious if you agree or if you observe something different are are the main problems that guys are facing in recovery
1: the same now that they were 20 years ago? That's a good question. Um, you know, the basics are still the basics. Yeah. The the pathway to getting well is still, you know, and and I learned this in working with the the 100 plus mentors that I or the guys that I mentored going through a 5-year pilot to create this um you know, create this, this mentoring uh, model, if you will. And they were all coming back to me and I was asking them what, when, what made them most successful. And, and as much as I would love to have heard them say, well, you, Michael, you were just such a great mentor. I've never had anyone like you, but it wasn't, it was, yeah. they said, you know, I figured out that I need to work on my recovery every day and I need to work on my connection with God every day. Hmm. And so we actually called that. We kind of nicknamed that the daily disciplines. And we actually have a product that we offer that that helps people on that course. I don't think that's changed. I yeah. think Patrick Carnes was talking about that in the mid 80s as he yep. was starting to identify this as a this thing as a sexual addiction. I think that guys today, I'm sure guys that you're coaching and certainly, you know, when I'm mentoring folks, you know, I I tell them the same thing you got to take this one day at a time. Thank goodness for 12 step, right? I mean, you know, a lot of those 12 step traditions have slogans, things like, you know, one day at a time and, and Mm -hmm. you're only as sick as your secrets and all that. The basics of getting well haven't changed. Now the, the, um, the environment that we're in has, you know, technology has really helped in terms of allowing us to create, um, a lot of really great tools along the way. The virtual summit servers are, are an example. I know that, you know, um, certainly apps, phone apps that, you know, help you and uh, being able to have, you know, chat conversations, reaching out to guys easily to make program calls, um, you know, the courses and trainings, you, you're you really plugged into that. So I think you understand what I'm saying. I hope your your listeners know that, you know, there are more resources than ever before yeah. for the men in particular. For the women, it's still lagging, but it's catching up. Yep. um, so the resources there now the technology is also being used against us right okay. um for for evil, if you will, and so you know the advent of virtual porn and what that's gonna be like and and you know a i uh and its involvement in um just really uh creating a mess um is is gonna continue. The one thing that I've noticed that um I think has gotten worse and has has changed exponentially faster. Than the pace of technology and the pace of tools and resources, which has been kind of on a constant and follows the technology, is just we have re- we have, we really have a broken system when it comes to training uh, care providers in this area. Hmm. It leaned way too heavily uh, and and been I think way too dependent. On um the traditional university system to train up counselors and to have licensed counselors and therapists and others that my wife actually was starting to go down that track and she pulled back and decided to to shift gears and and um get um grad program grad school uh, training as a spiritual director um it's a shorter program it's something that we feel is a real need in this area, but the yeah. counseling training is just ridiculous it's incredibly expensive. It's two to three years. Um, then you have another two years plus of supervision. So you have someone that has a desire to help people, but it takes six years to get there. And quite frankly, when they get even specialized at that point, yeah, (laughs) the pay isn't that good. I mean, my guy who's making six figures a year, I mean, he was mentoring people while he was going through the training and getting paid. Yeah. And uh, but it's just not possible for that. So you take that and you superimpose. You take a look at the raw numbers. Uh, if you go look at Carnes's um, uh, website, where they have uh, ITAPS, right? And uh, they show all the trained CSATs, the certified sexual addiction therapists, and and then the the trained trauma specialists. Right? These are people that have you know counseling backgrounds. And by the way, I'm not knocking the counselors themselves, you know, they they have a desire to help people. It's just the system overall that yeah. they're plugged into is really, really broken. So you look at the group that has gone through specialized training, like CSAT training or like um, APSATS training for, you know, partners uh, with um, betrayal trauma. You know, there's, there's maybe 1,200 specialists trained in the entire world right. <laughs> in the area of sexual addiction. Right. Yeah, and it doesn't mean they're all good, by the way. I've heard plenty of, con- you know, just like you can get a good coach and a bad coach, right. A good mentor and a bad mentor. Yeah. Um. And, and there are only about 800 women. Well, I shouldn't say women. There are 800 who are trained in betrayal trauma. Most of those are women, right. Yeah. But right. 800 in the entire world. I mean, I did the math on that and, and just, just taking the statistics of three to 5% of the population adult population being sexually addicted, which I still think is low. You know, that's, I think it, I think numbers higher than that. You're talking about one specialist for every 35,000 sex addicts, Jeez, one specialist for every 40,000 betrayed partners. Yeah. And I don't know if you've been talking to people lately about this, but what I'm hearing is, Folks that are looking for help, we have people reach out to us every day, multiple people every day looking for help, individuals, couples, partners, you know, Um, they're telling me that I'm calling the therapist and they're telling me it's six months before they can even, they can even return my phone call. Yep. Now, when you go through D-Day and you're in a crisis, you're the guy sitting in that hotel room or you're the wife sitting there with kids at home and the husband, you don't know where he's at but you've just discovered, you know, the affair or you've discovered the stash of, you know, porn or what have you, you're not going to wait around for six months. I mean, the marriage could be over by then, you know, yeah. your life could be shattered. People could be committing suicide by then. So yeah. this is what I'm talking about. And and quite frankly, I've, I've gotten, you know, tried to become real aware of groups like the AACC, American Association of Christian Counselors, and some of the other associations, you know, that work in that area. And what I see a lot of is, is specialists or or counselors kind of bragging on the fact that they're fully booked, you know, kind of bragging on the fact that, yeah, you couldn't get an appointment with me for six months. You know, it's like, it's a badge of honor for them. You know, they're, they're happy because they're full, but the problem is in the system that's set up that by the way, on average is only delivering about a two to 3% success rate to begin with, you know, um, for people that are looking for help, but the system is really, really broken and no one's you know, there are very few people who are talking about that. That's the part. That's the thing that keeps me up at night yeah. is as a guy my age and looking at, you know, maybe have 10, 15 good, strong years left. Um, you know, where can we impact change? That's why I'm getting really laser beam focused on the mentor training and yeah. actually would love to be able to equip organizations like yours to be able to show you how to develop a mentor training program of your own. So yeah. that we can create our own association. We need to get the multipliers going. Yes. Putting another thousand mentors out on the streets in the next four or five years is only gonna double. Okay, we cut that down from one in thirty-five thousand to one in seventeen thousand. Yeah. Yeah. It's still a big problem. <laughs> right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, it's interesting. You kind of just articulated um like my own journey. Like I was in my nine to five, not loving it, wanted to do something different. And wanted to make better money. I was super underpaid at the time. And my wife and I, the one night I was up late and we were looking at job postings and it was like, oh, you know, there's some positions here for pe- like a licensed counselor or a clinical mm-hmm. psychologist that were actually paying pretty well. And then I looked and actually they wanted 10 years of experience to to get that kind of salary. And I was kind of doing the, the math and the timeline. And, you know, we wanted yeah. to start a family eventually. And like you you just kind of seen us like you're signing yourself up for just a, a decade of Pure stress, you know, in some of your the best mm-hmm. years of your life, or some of the most energetic years of your life, kind of getting sucked away by, like you said, a system that kind of um, doesn't doesn't seem to really have everything together. And so I really do admire what you're doing, and I I, mm-hmm. I respect it because I, I definitely see the need for it. Um, what is that? Do you think that it's as simple as that? Like, do you think if we just multiply enough leaders um, and get enough people helping that? That the tide begins to turn and people can get the help they need. Um, cause I know you were, you mentioned like you were really an advocate and a very public spokesperson. Um, I, I feel like the attitudes around pornography have changed quite a bit. You know, it's become yeah. very normalized. And I know there's, um, there's, there's all, it's heavily contested, you know, even in academic fields, whether or not this is even a legitimate addiction. You and I obviously know uh, the truth about that, but, I'm curious um what you think about kind of the the larger general population side of it, if we do our part to multiply leaders, what do you think needs to happen in more of the general population for for us to really see things change as a society
1: yeah that's that's a great question um it, it, to answer part of that, no, I don't think um training up you know an army of mentors or coaches or what have you. Um, and just impacting that part of it is going to be enough. I mean, there is a societal shift, and and it's been happening. It's been coming for a while, and I think part of that is, um, you know, part of that reflects the the shift of of morality in in our country and in in the world, really, uh, and um, kind of away from, you know, considering this to be uh, anything more than just a taboo, uh, uh, you know, like a religious construct. Um, yeah. and, yeah. and what have you, and we've all heard of it before. So, so it really comes down to a person's life, just becoming unmanageable and becoming a mess and pointing to that as the problem and the individual getting help. Um, but you know, one of the areas, um, and I know that you have listeners, some that are faith based and others that are kind of spiritually unresolved and what having that's totally fine. But one one of the, one of the things that I think is really hurting us is, is, um, in this area, uh, is not getting more support from the church. Um, the churches are, can, uh, you know, th- this really, when it comes down to it, I remember going through 12 step and, and being a Christian and and looking at the 12 steps and going, wow, like seven of these 12 steps have to do with me and my relationship with God
0: yeah, straight out of the Bible. Yeah, so this
1: is pretty, yeah, this is pretty, you know, it's a, nothing hidden here. Um, and, you know, to me, I mean, this is the greatest opportunity for evangelism and for Mm. discipleship and Mm. spiritual formation. That's one of the reasons why Christine, my wife, has shifted her training over to, um, you know, spiritual direction is uh, because that is a part that, you know, we need to, we kind of did a little bit of a shift over towards really getting off on the science, you know, of the whole thing. Hey, there's you know, brain chemistry that's affected and all that. And, you know, um, William Struthers, good friend Dino talks a lot about it. Ted Roberts talks a lot about it. And yes. quite frankly, it got a lot of attention. It's kind of like in the church talking about human trafficking. You know, it's kind yeah. of like the the um soup du jour, you know, it's the it's a <laughs> thing that people I mean, I hate to say it, but you know, it just whatever is grabbing people's attention. And so yep. but, but unfortunately, I think that shifted a lot of people away from like the spiritual roots of this. Right. And, um, you know, uh, great people like Harry Schomburg who wrote on this early on Mark laser, of course, you know, had real influence in the area of faith-based recovery. And then other people have, have come along. Gerald Mays, one of my all-time favorites, addiction and grace, fantastic book. Um, so, you know, when it really comes down to, you can deal with the behavioral part of this, but, but when, when you get to the point where it's like, okay, I need to deal with the spiritual. I need to deal with what's really in my soul. I wish that the churches understood this or were willing to really partner with us. Mm-hmm. I mean, there are a lot of starving ministries out there that are well well intending that are have members of churches, you know, saying, I mean, begging their pastors to, you know, help us uh, reach people in this church. And I think that um, that uh, the arrogance of church leadership to uh, continue to ignore this issue, I I think it's more arrogance than ignorance now. Yeah, Um, because there's no way that you can possibly go through life these days and not recognize this, especially as a Christian, not recognize this is a major issue. Um, And especially if you're getting leadership training or it's just a Monumental failure by seminaries to to not acknowledge it, but I mean, just think of the change that we could impact if every church said we need to have a mentor or a coach or someone that is a go-to who's who really understands and gets this uh, to be able to help the people in our congregation who are struggling with this and their kids. But there's just really never, there's not been a partnership move towards that. I know my good friends at Covenant Eyes have talked about this for years. Yeah. And it's still, you know, God love them. It's still 7% of all the churches have any programs for people in recovery. And some (laughs) people look at that, you know, and they'll go, wow, that's great. That's a 93% market opportunity. You know, I look (laughs) at that and go, why has it stayed 7% over the last 20 years? Yeah, yeah. So, I think that's a big thing. I'm not looking for the culture to change their mindset on this, yeah, but I think if the church could see this as a real opportunity to bring people into a closer abiding relationship with God, um then maybe they would be more proactive. But you know, you know as well as I do that this is also a problem a lot of leaders struggle with, and uh, it's yeah. just hitting too close to home for a lot of it and some guys i'm i I love and have a great relationship with but you know they're they're really intimidated by it and some are just outright struggling with it and aren't aren't going to touch it so that's 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 troublesome but any inroads we can make in that area i think will reverberate throughout and we'll start to see some real progress in this area without that hmm, it's going to be tough yeah
0: yeah i i agree i think that that's a really uh very insightful perspective and I, i i do agree um I, what I want to kind of circle back to something I'd asked earlier. You've been you've been clean and kind of living in in this recovery for 28 years. Hmm. Obviously, you and I know there's a professional component to our recovery. This is part of just putting yourself out there and being the one who spearheads it. Um, but I'll be honest, like staying free for my company so that the Deep Clean can stay afloat and I can, you know, have integrity that way. I don't find that particularly motivating. For me, I'm at <laughs> seven and a half years. And it's yeah. more about, you know, my my firstborn son is coming in October. I have a marriage of three and a half years, uh, almost four. Th- those are the things that are probably a bit closer to home. And then my own development, my own relationship with God, like as as the business has grown, as my family is growing, as I just go further in life, just that thing that relationship has become the the plumb line it always was but more mm-hmm. and more every single day and realizing that you know my my freedom is so um important for me to protect the most important relationship in my life and that's my relationship with god i i'm curious what it is for you michael does it still look the same <clears throat> about 28 years later has have your motives changed over the years and what is it that that it continues to inspire you because i kind of get the impression that actually you could call it a day you said you're you're 65 or about to turn 65 doesn't sound like you have any intention to retire, but um but I'm guessing there's a reason for that. What what's kind of keeping you going at
1: this point in the journey? Yeah, you know, you bring up a really good point, and it's something that I recognize is probably a, a number one deterrent of guys from get really getting well and getting in good recovery, and that's when they fail to adopt a vision for their life. Um we've we've used this term, the hero's journey, as a way to try and capture some energy and and um and um uh, the kind of a, a roadmap if you will for people that follows a very commonly known you know plot line uh for just about every movie and great book and adventure that that we've ever you know participated in sitting there and watching movies, whether it's you know Star Wars or whatever, um, yeah. you know, there's the hero's journey, right? And and I think that every addict, uh if they don't see themselves in a bigger picture story as the there's the hero of the story the hero in the making which means finding a mentor which means leaving the comfort zone and getting uncomfortable and going on this big adventure which which entails a lot of different twists and turns along the way then then i think lacking vision they will they will tend to kind of wither away in the mechanics of recovery Um, so, and my vision has changed much like you, my, my first vision, the thing, the first thing that motivated me to get well was, uh, came when I was suicidal and I started to think about what to write in a suicide note to my boys. Wow. And that's when I hit rock bottom. I hit rock bottom, making the realization that they did nothing to deserve Having to live with a story like that for the rest of their life of their dad having committed suicide as a sex addict. Mm. That was my motivation. It wasn't to try to win back my my ex who had since, you know, moved on um, and uh, and was was dating another guy and stuff. I mean, it it was really more they don't deserve this. I got to do this for my kids. Wow. And I, and I was also scared. I mean, I was, I was, I realized that, hey, this could cost me my life. Over time, that motivation changed as I got healthier and, and I was kind of out of that, you know, threat zone, if you will, wasn't, you know, wasn't really even giving any second thought to ever taking my own life. Then I started to really focus on, I just want to now be the best version of myself that I can be. Mm. And then eventually, I think that kind of turned into, you know, what can I do to help some of these guys who are coming to me asking for help? I can't just pretend like I didn't hear that, you know, yeah. and just turn them down. And so, you know, my recovery kind of went full circle of, you know, again, this idea of I needed help, but yeah. then eventually I had help to give. Mm. And I think when a guy gets into recovery, it's, you know, you're you're just looking at minimizing the consequences. How can I not end up getting divorced from my wife? How can I not end up, you know, looking at porn till two o'clock, three o'clock in the morning and masturbating? You know, it's like you're, you're really kind of much like an addict focused on yourself and, and that's okay. You know, but you, I, I think you still need a vision. Otherwise you run the risk of being that guy that keeps showing up to recovery groups, 12, 15, 20 years later. And he's still, you're still saying that you had slips and you're still struggling, but someone convinced you that just showing up to group is the key. And the goal is sobriety. Mm. And I think what we try to do at Bravehearts is to help expand people's vision and go, you know, and and I ask my guys, uh, anyone who comes to me for mentoring, I always ask them the same question. I say, I want you to imagine what your life could look like three to five years from now, if you were living in sobriety. Let's say that, you know, right now you're wrapped around the axle, you're struggling, you know, on a daily basis or whatever, but let's say you really are free from this. What do you think your life could look like three to five years from now? That's where we start. Mm -hmm. And, and it's amazing. Some guys really have a hard time being able to do that. You know, they can tell you what they've done in the past. They can tell you where they're at today, but they just don't feel like they have that hope, you know? And I think a part of it is no one's telling them that they can be free from this. A lot of people are out there saying, well, the best that you can hope for is to manage this, but you'll struggle with this the rest of your life, Well, you'll be tempted the rest of your life, but you don't have to live like a struggle. You can literally live in freedom. And, and, and so that's the vision thing. And I would say over time, you know, the vision for us has changed in Bravehearts, but my vision, my personal vision uh, for sobriety and recovery has never changed. In fact. Not long ago, I started going back to an essay group um that meets over the phone. It's called Daily Sobriety Renewal, I was in there this morning doing my mm-hmm. DSR check-in. And I do it every day. Um, wow. because I've recognized I've acknowledged and recognized that there's still some character defects in me that I that I didn't really uh deal with early on, you know, mm-hmm. 20 years ago. And that I need to I need to really shore those up. And yeah. so, but I do that. For the same reason that you do to make sure that, you know, I don't sabotage um what God's doing in and through me in yeah. this ministry and the other people that are depending on us and all that. But my vision that's driving me is really the mentor, the, I mean, the idea of being able to create a whole new category of caregivers that yeah. can take the average layperson and turn them into someone like you, you know, or someone like Sean or someone like Helena or, or others. Um, yeah. who have this story and they can now leverage it for God's glory. That gets me real excited. That's going to keep me working until probably I just, my last breath Um, because uh, I never, I never tire from hearing of the stories and getting the emails from people that say, Hey, I've been working with such and such person that you guys trained as a mentor. It's saved our marriage, you know, turned around my, turned around my life, you know, that kind of a deal. And it's a multiplier. And, and I just get really excited about that, but every person going through recovery Mm -hmm. really needs to read that 12th step, you know, and really needs to buy into this idea that if you do the work, this isn't a luck thing, you know, if you show up every day, if you do the work, if you, you know, if you make the right moves, and and that's why I think that having a mentor or a coach like yourself is so critically important, Mm -hmm. you know, lean on the people who have been there before. You know, so that when you come to a crossroads and you're thinking about, well, I'm wondering if I'm doing too much in recovery. I'm wondering if I'm doing too little, whatever you have someone who's been there before to be able to help you avoid, you know, some of the, some of the, um, the mistakes that we made in the past or, you know, give you a more direct line to be able to get to that point in your journey where you move through these early stages of recovery from being hopeful and doing all the gutsy work. A recovery and now you're kind of what we call the the braveful and and um heroic stages where you're someone's hero and yeah. and even if it's just your family it's not a just it's huge you yeah. know to be a hero in your son's life or your daughter's life or your you know your spouse's life because you're committed to this um and you're committed to doing the work that should be a vision that compels uh everyone uh, but God does want to take you further than that. He wants to give you a redemptive story. He wants yeah. to enable you to comfort others the way that he's comforted you in whatever yeah. way that looks. And then the fun part of this, where we get into the digital marketing thing, is when you niche that down, yeah. then it gets really cool. Then yeah. it's like, I have a unique set of skills that no one else has because I have a unique story. Yeah. And because of that uniqueness of my story, just like the guy from prison, right? It's like, wow, I can take the thing that would have crushed most people. And now I have a particular set of skills to be able to help any guy who's facing five years going to prison, you know, that doesn't know what he's walking into. I do because I've been there. It's huge. It's a game changer.
0: Oh, man, it's fantastic. Michael, for people who do want to explore more about what you're talking about, uh, (laughs) find out more about what you're up to, what's the best way for them to do that?
1: Yeah, just go to our website, bravehearts.org. Been around for a long time. And uh, so it's like Bravehearts, like the movie with an S and then .org. Uh, And and that'll link you to um, our training. And, you know, the mentor training we do is called Launcher Mentoring Ministry. I was sharing with you earlier, one of the exciting things by the time that this uh, interview drops, um, we'll have gone evergreen with it. Uh, which normally we just don't launch the training like twice a year uh, and really kind of move cohorts through. But the demand has really grown to the point where we need to have this available all the time. So anyone who's listening to this, who may be in a place where they've kind of crossed over that transom of, you know, now I'm able to, I'm healthy enough and able to give other people, you know, uh, help in addition to continuing to do my maintenance work, uh, man, we could sure use you. And and uh, you can go learn about it at bravehearts.org, sign up for the training uh we also have you know all kinds of other tools and resources, but that's the the thing we're kind of most jazzed about uh But if you're a struggler and you're listening to this and you're thinking you know you talked about daily disciplines earlier, what does that look like? We have some great um you know on demand uh coursework that you can you know plug into it's like twenty bucks a month, gives you the daily disciplines for every day you know, it grows you in the area of getting smarter about recovery, improving your recovery IQ, but also an opportunity to really intentionally connect with God. And we have hundreds of people that are going through that at any given time and groups associated with it. So yeah, we just want to help folks on their journey.
0: Yeah, for sure. We'll put links in the show notes to all that stuff. In the meantime, cheering you
1: on, Michael, thank you so much for your time today. Well, thank you for your ministry, man. I'll tell you, it's really exciting to see younger guys like you come along and anything we can do in the future to help you and uh, be sure and say hi to my friend, Sean, too. So
0: Yeah, well, for sure. I appreciate that. Thank
1: you. Yeah. All right, man. Bye-bye. Bye.
0: All right. Well, hey, I told you, Michael is amazing. Uh, and you can really tell this guy's seasoned, a lot of knowledge, a lot to glean from. Go check out his stuff. Bravehearts.org is the website. Or if you want some of the more training resources, also braveheartsuniversity.com. There's lots of avenues there for you guys to get the help that you want, whether you're looking for recovery resources or if you yourself uh, maybe are recovered or you're you know pretty close to that point and you want to start helping others. Michael is a fantastic resource and I think you guys would benefit a lot from his stuff. And look, if you're listening to us, maybe you've been listening to this epi- uh, this podcast rather for a while Or you just heard some things on this interview that really piqued your interest and made you realize it's time to get free. It is time to be free of porn once and for all. It's time to get this out of your life. You've had enough. You're ready to finally commit to a process. Well, I'd love for you to check out what we have here, a program called Deep Clean. This is my signature program that basically infuses research and scripture into a comprehensive recovery solution. We have helped hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of men from around the world different ages different races different stages of life different socioeconomic statuses different careers and professions but the one thing they all have in common is that they got hands-on coaching they got a system that was proven and they got all the support they needed along the way to get to the roots of their issues and make a full recovery and we'd love for you to be that next person so if that's something you want to check out There is a link in the show notes for you to book a call with my team. That is how you kind of enter. We don't just let people sign up online. We actually vet people because we're trying to build something particular with our community. And we want want to make sure that you are of a certain caliber and that you're really going to actually blend in so that you get the best results and that we continue to build a community of world-changing men. So if that's something you want to check out, the link is there in the show notes. Once you book your time, by the way, we send you some videos and stuff that explain what we do. So you're not going to come in blind Uh, that all happens after you book. So just follow the link in the show notes. You'll see everything you need to see You'll get everything you need to get and then we can have that call and see if it makes sense for us to move forward In the meantime guys, thank you so much for listening And if you know somebody else who maybe would benefit from the content, make sure you share it with them Hey could not do this without you appreciate you man. Thanks for listening to the end. We'll talk soon. Bye-bye